to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good afternoon and welcome into the podcast. I am Jay. Today is February the 2nd. It's 2022 and quite a bit to talk about today. I want to start off talking a little bit about comments online. Um, You know, it's, it's the human condition that we want to talk about what's going on and, uh, uh, especially now, uh, you know, with, with the advent of social media and how popular it is, everyone's got an opinion and they can't wait to give their opinion. And so what happens is that uh, very often uh, people say things that, that later they, they wish they could take back. And of course, oftentimes you can't. And even if you do, that ship has sailed. And after the deaths of... Uh, three of the bravest in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I got sent some uh, screenshots of someone talking about how, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to go into who it was because it doesn't matter right now, uh, but uh, talking about how tradition had killed three firefighters and so on and so forth. And of course, this riles people up uh, in part, and I think, frankly, in large part because uh, they had, uh, the three firefighters had just died. And, you know, you have people with different approaches to things like this. They think, well, we might as well jump on it right now. Others say, no, let's wait and uh, and see. You know, let's let uh, firefighters get buried and things like that, and then we'll talk about it. And then I think you have the, the people who've seen it before who go, you know what, we're going to wait and find out all the facts. Here's the facts that we know right now. Three firefighters died in Baltimore. That's the facts. As to people who want to use uh, that event to to try to make a point about uh, their particular theory in the fire service and, and so on and so forth, um, it it reeks uh, to a lot of people. And those a lot of those people, or not a lot of them, but a number of people reached out to me just absolutely um, angered at, at what they see as a tremendous lack of respect. And I, I get it. Um, there are many things that, that we talk about in the fire service. Typically, we try to rate, wait until uh, the facts come out, and, and certainly um, that's going to take some time. The facts don't come out uh, immediately, and in many cases, nor should they. You know, unless we're dealing with something that is an immediate impact to firefighters, an explosive event, or something like that. But I think we have to remember. And very often we sometimes forget, or very often we forget, is that people are still processing things. Um, The families are obviously, you know, they're going through something horrific. The brothers and sisters on the job, brothers and sisters around the country, so on and so forth. I think sometimes the best thing we can do is, is take a deep breath and say, okay, and, you know, Am I going to say something that's constructive? And or is what I, what I say going to be lost by virtue of the fact that I've either uh, 
said it poorly, too soon. You know, we often talk about messages and messages getting across. Um, if, if there's a message that, that you want to get across, oftentimes the, uh, the trick to getting people to listen is in how you deliver it, is in the way you deliver it. No matter how frustrated a person may be, it's still very important that we think about how we deliver that message. No two messages will be delivered the same way, but we have to understand that uh, on the outside looking in, which is where most people are, um, it's very easy to get caught up in the emotion and say something stupid. And there we have it. As for Baltimore and my comments, this is what I know. Um, Baltimore is a, a busy town. Uh, they have men and women who are doing their very best to serve their citizens. They do a good job, and they've lost three. And uh, one was, was severely injured. And uh, I wish them the best. And, you know, uh, again, it's very easy uh, to make pronouncements about things when, frankly, uh, people know very little at this point. My best to the brothers and sisters in Baltimore. Switching gears, I want to uh, I want to discuss a a question that I received, and it, it this is the question. It says, in light of all the events surrounding race in America at this point, do you see the fire service as being behind the times, with the times, or ahead of the times? I challenge you to answer this and not throw it away. Well, okay, challenge accepted, no problem. Uh, here's what I think. I think that the fire service is uh, very focused on trying to do things the proper way. I also note the fire service, like Every other aspect of life in America is made up of individuals with, with differing backgrounds. Um, you know, we all differ in the way we were brought up, or for the most part, the way that we see things, the way we move through a professional life, and, and then morals, values, uh, so on and so forth. I'm not going to sit here and, and try to convince anyone that the fire service is perfect. It's far from it. Um, this much I know, uh, I myself believe that the fire service uh, is always trying to do the right thing. With respect to race, there are areas which need improvement. There are areas that are going well, and um, you know there are areas that probably haven't been touched on and won't be until later on. Uh, I'm not going to get into breaking all those down because, frankly, it would take several podcasts. What I will say is this. I have always looked at firefighters and my fellow firefighters, so on and so forth. I've always looked at them as uh, brothers and sisters. The most important thing to me with a firefighter, a fellow firefighter's competence. Are they good at what they do? Are they bad at what they do? Are they trying to learn or are they just existing?
to me, a good firefighter is someone who's competent and is always trying to learn. I don't care what your gender or race is. That doesn't matter to me. If you're bad, I don't care what your gender or race is. I don't believe that anyone should be artificially uh, you know, propped up if they're not good at what they do, if they're not competent, if they're not trying. Some people will say, ah, well, that's a cop-out. No, it isn't. It's the truth. If you're good, um, if you're a good firefighter, then what you are outside of being a firefighter is your own business. That's my view of it. I am not going to pretend that someone is good just because they're white or black or of Asian descent or whatever the case may be, nor whether they're male or female. It's all on competence. Are they willing to learn? Are they willing to teach? And are they good on the fire ground or out on a scene? That's a firefighter to me. And there, you know, let's face it, the, the question, um, it's a solid question, in part because we see a lot about race going on now. But in my life, uh, I've been on earth over five decades, um, those questions arise every year. And every time they arise, it's the worst possible time in the world, according to, to a whole group of people. Well, we have to answer this now because it's the biggest question. It's been the biggest question uh, for a very long time. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. Do we need to do better? Yes. Um, is the fire service, uh, you know, in, uh, in line with the rest of society? I think the more you're around people, the more you start to realize uh, strengths and weaknesses, so on and so forth. I think the fire service is where it is. Um, and, and moving forward, you hope that you continue to grow. And uh, I still say the greatest tradition of the fire service is its ability to change. The change is slow. It is. Um, as, as a lot of service professionals uh, professions are. They're very slow to change. You don't want rapid change with people who are trying to save lives, not just to fit somebody's idea of what things are supposed to be, either in a negative or positive way. Things have to be slow. The fire service is large. Um, and it's not a small company. It's, it's very large, coast to coast, top to bottom. And uh, yeah, there's uh, work that needs to be done. Uh, there's good work that has been done. And ultimately, at the end of the day, how good are you at what you do? That, to me, answers the question about race and, and everything else. Are you competent? I'll go back to something that uh, back when uh, the case in New Haven was going on, um, New Haven, Connecticut, that, that I said then and I'll say now. Everybody should be able to apply to get a job. They should. Everybody who's capable, you know, obviously, but everybody should be able to apply to get a job. Everybody should get that opportunity to run the race. But pre-selecting the winners, it's not a, it's not a race then. Um, there's one gold, one silver, one bronze. That's the way it goes. If you're the best, you know, if you're competent at what you're doing, um, then you're going to do well on a test. You're going to do well. 
That's the way it works. You might not do great. Some people test better than, better than others. But if you have a strength in a certain area in a, in a process that, that is fair, you're going to do well if you're good. You're going to do poorly if you're not. To me, everybody deserves to run the race, but not everybody can be, uh, you know, if you're hiring 20 positions, not everybody gets 20 positions. You get 2,000 that apply, you're going to get 20 people. And uh, massaging numbers in any direction is, to me, uh, woeful. It is. It sparks uh, negativity. It's corrosive. Let's get the best people no matter what. That, that's my view on it. Um, last night I was at a National Hockey League game. And uh, if you watch hockey, you may look at it, especially as a casual observer. You may go, you know, really these guys just skating around hitting a piece of vulcanized rubber. I mean, that's what they're doing. There's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And I was thinking this um, during the, sitting there during an intermission. And, um, you know, when you're sitting rinkside, it, it is. It looks like a lot of confusion. As you get further away from the rink, so as you go up uh, two, three, four hundred sections of an arena, you actually start to see the bigger picture. There's a, there's a, there's a, a poetry in the motion there. There's, there's a ballet that's taking place. Line changes, uh, you can begin to see them try to set up plays and so on and so forth. And I thought as I was sitting there last night that it's certainly true with the fire service. Um, when we are engaged at the company level, so in your engine company or your ladder, your rescue, um, as we're engaged at that level, we see what's going on right in front of us. That's what we do. Um, as you pull out a little bit, you know, to maybe a battalion, a district, a division, assistant, chief, chief. You're supposed to be seeing things in a much bigger, uh, in a bigger format, actually, a bigger vision, that, that, uh, that sort of wide area that you can see now. And anything that's successful in an organization is going to take shape, and there's going to be beauty in the way things are delivered. And I remember um, this was, I don't know, 1990 or 91. Um, I went with a couple of friends uh, to Detroit um, uh, to watch Devil's Night, people burning, burning the city down. And for all the world, it, it's wholesale confusion. Um, you know, you, you'd see here Detroit units that are just run ragged, um, going from fire to fire. And if you don't know, that's some places called Mischief Night, Devil's Night. Um, it's when people used to burn things up. And uh, so anyway, from the ground level, that's what you're seeing. As you pull back a little, little bit and you realize the volume of calls, you start to see that people who do this year after year things begin to take shape. They're not just chaos. And, and because of that, again, as you step back further and further, there's a beauty in the responses. Um, 
And I, I think that's a great thing about going around the country and watching departments is, is the really good departments, you start to detect the good patterns. The, the beauty of, of a, an engine company coming in and starting an attack, a ladder truck pulling up and going and in a coordinated manner, they're going to ventilate. Another's doing a primary search. The rescue's there and they've been assigned. Uh, the second engine, the third engine, the fourth engine, and so on and so forth. And even in all that chaos, a really well-functioning fire department, it will look like a ballet. It's beautiful in its application. Now, the opposite of that is the department that doesn't do much of anything with respect to education, training, anything, they show up on a house fire, and it is chaos, as it often is at the start of a scene, at the start of an incident. Midway through, it's chaos, and at the end, the fire has decided to go out on its own. I guess because only uh, even fire can only take so much chaos. So when you talk to people who operate in this sort of chaotic. This, this really bad, chaotic atmosphere, you find that they will defend their actions in unbelievable ways. They will defend their shortcomings in unbelievable ways. We all have pride. None of us like to be told that, yeah, yeah, you suck at this or maybe could have done that. And again, it's about message delivery, how you deliver that message. But it's an interesting character study when people defend a department or whatever, um, when they're trying to defend it and, and they're, they really believe deep in their heart that they're the best and, and you watch them time and time again, they will burn a building down. You can get a room in contents that by the time some lines are, display, or, or lines are pulled and everything's set up, They've now advanced the fire by virtue of really poor tactics and not knowing what they're doing. They've burned down a house. You know, a commercial building, you know, the first thing you do, you call the insurance company and, and you better call them on the receipt of the alarm because you're never going to save the building. It's amazing to me how poorly informed people defend their actions. And they will defend them fiercely. There's no fierceness like ignorance. There just isn't. That, that ferocity of ignorance, it's, it's mind-boggling. And when you see that, and, and here's the worst part, right? You're sitting with people from different departments, what have you. Maybe you're doing a drill, whatever the case may be. And, and these people just don't get it. And so what they do, because they're terrified that they may be wrong, they just shut you out. They continuously repeat um, their assurance that their bad decisions are actually good decisions. And it's if the public could witness it, I think it would be astounding to the public that that their particular fire department is so poorly trained, so poorly led, so poorly uh, misguided 
that very often they're a danger to the people around them. And uh, I want to get into that more. Um, and, and I think I am. I, I'm going to unpeel the, the layers of the onion uh, that's a fire department that just makes you cry when you watch them. And then you contrast that with a department that has confidence because they are experienced, has confidence because they know they don't know it all, has confidence because they understand that they have a role and their role is to continue to learn, continue to get better. You contrast those two, and it is amazing. Uh, I mean, it is. It is amazing, the difference. And so I think we're going to do that. We're going to have an onion series. I'm going to peel back uh, the parts of a fire department of a really poorly maintained, uh, trained, and what have you fire department and, and contrast that with the bacon fire department because we all know bacon's perfect. Um, so we're going to have an onion fire department. We're going to have the bacon fire department. And, and trust me, if you're looking for a job, if, if you're looking for a career, you want the bacon. You do. You can have bacon and eat bacon by itself. That's the glory of bacon. Onions, you got to add it to a bunch of stuff. It makes you cry. Your breath smells. So, yeah, don't be the onion department. Finally, I, I received this. Uh, this was humorous. Um, and, and it's somebody I know they, they sent me a text message and they said when did you know that you didn't know it all like he does I'm like hmm okay what they're getting at is, is uh, in the fire service training education whatever it, the case may be how tough is it to talk to somebody who is, a, is an expert on everything. Well, it's very difficult. It is. It's difficult. Um, and, and part of that is, is uh, and to be blunt, it's the individual onions, right? You, you, you start looking at one and you, your eyes start tearing up because you just don't want to deal with it. Um, I think actually what I'm going to do, and I'm, I'm just making this decision right now, I'm going to do that in the next podcast. Uh, we've talked about toxic departments, toxic organizations. We can talk about a toxic individual, things like that. And we'll, we'll do that. But uh, I, I do want to, in the uh, last minute or two, I want to talk a little bit about specking a ladder truck. Um, a guy sent me something to read, uh, to proofread, and I did. And, and uh, um, when I emailed him back, and um, we got into a little bit of an email conversation on specking ladder trucks. And, uh, you know, he, I just want to bring this out. Every, you know, we, we talk about all the bells and whistles, right, on, on engine companies, on rescues, on ladder trucks. Uh, the thing about bells and whistles, they're great. They are. Um, and, and some departments, they want, if, you know, if they order a ladder truck, they want everything on it. And which is a way of approaching things. Then didn't you have some who nope, just I just want a stick and the tires and you know don't even want an engine. We'll pull it, you know, because some people are cheap that way. But both approaches can be wrong. The best approach, and I can't emphasize this enough, the best approach in specking um, 
uh, an arrow device is, what do you need? And then, what will you need based on your projected growth, right? If you're a city that, that, that has, you know, some high rises, you have, you know, a nice mixture, industrial, all those things, um, you know, when you order the ladder, don't order it for today. Don't think, and also don't think that, you know what, I'm going to order all the bells and whistles because uh, that obviously will cover all my bases eight or ten years from now. No, it might not. The thing about bells and whistles are some of them are, are important depending upon the area you're in, the area you covered, the district. You know, your immediate area and then where your second due is a ladder, third due, whatever the case may be. But just saying, yep, I'm getting it with everything on it, you might end up paying more than you need, and you might end up with something that doesn't fit well with your, your projected growth. And that's important. So specking a rig is not about specking it for today. It's not even about specking it for delivery day. I mean, you have to, right? You have to say, okay, when we take delivery of this truck and whatever, 11 months. Yeah, just throwing a number out there. When we take delivery of this truck in 11 months, um, obviously it's going to have to meet our needs then. And we need to, as much as possible, make sure that this truck can meet our needs 5, 10 years down the line. Um, but just ordering something with all the bells and whistles for no reason, you know, if, if some of them aren't going to work. You know, it may come with a, I'm going to, it, it may come with a, with a, uh, uh, with a surfboard, uh, you know, attached to the to the ladder, and you may think that's pretty cool. But you know, if you're in the middle of Arizona, surfboard's not going to do you much good. You know, if if uh, it may come with a, it may come with a with a snowblower, but you know, if you're in Key West, Florida, not going to get a lot of chances to use it. So it's a waste of money. You all get the point. Um, but in and sometimes looking at, at the stuff people spec, you wonder. Did they actually spec the truck, or did they tell the salesman, give us what, what you think we need? That's not a recipe for success. That's why you end up with apparatus that ha really, they have no purpose. You take them and you shove them into a roll, but they have no purpose. And when you're talking about especially aerial devices, which are so expensive now, just make sure you're focusing on what you need. And, and what you may need based on your growth. That's going to do it today. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe.